Hey gang, welcome to Dateline Louisiana, a provocative look at the deepest of the deep southern states. Thoughts that are informative, candid, humorous, and sometimes controversial about life in one of the most interesting and rabble-rousing states in the nation. Here are your hosts, Ronna Gray and Jim Brown. Hey, thanks for listening to our podcast today. I'm here with my co-host, Ronna Gray. Ronna, glad to have a lively day-to-day that we're getting. We're getting into the fall now, and uh, football season's in the air. Still awfully hot, but it looks like it's going to be a little nicer for us. So hopefully our winter podcast won't be so stifling, you know. <laughs> so. I sure hope I'm in Louisiana that week when we have fall. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, we'll keep our fingers crossed right. for you. So, so uh, we're going to talk today, and we've got producer Chris in, and Chris, uh, hop in if anything you see fit. But uh, we all know we've got a major drug problem in this country today. And to show you the, the difference, there's been some figures that were released to the press here recently saying that uh, – uh, the fentanyl deaths, this new drug fentanyl that's a synthetic drug that no one ever heard of three or four years ago, now apparently it comes from a chemicals from China that comes into Mexico and then is uh, uh, cooked and bubbled up and, and comes into the United States. 72,000 Americans were killed last year or died because of fentanyl, 72,000. Coming in from Mexico. So let's go back to 9-11. 3,000 people were killed at 9-11. And we went into Pakistan. We infiltrated into uh, a number of countries uh, besides Pakistan, trying to get Osama bin Laden. And uh, troops were... uh, were, it was it was the flow for us to go into Syria and and our major presence in the Middle East today comes from what happened after 9/11. So we get pretty irritated when uh, people get killed from outside the United States. Mexico is allowing these drugs, and they say they're doing their best to stop the drugs. But our U.S. senator in Louisiana, Senator John Kennedy, a very popular guy, was the odds-on favorite to be governor if he'd run uh, in this year's election, opted not to. But he's an interesting guy who's very controversial. He has all these folksy folksy witticisms or attacks often where—and he does his homework. uh, His staff prepares him, but he jumps on some of these issues, and uh, his—uh— his, his talent for speaking sometimes comes off that really rifles a lot of feathers. So here's what he said. The DEA, the Drug Administration Organization in Washington, D.C., the director was appearing before Senator Kennedy's committee. It was an, a, a subcommittee, a, a subcommittee appropriations that Kennedy's on. And he questioned her at length about uh, does it make sense for the, our president, President Biden, to call up the president of Mexico and say, look, we've got vast resources here in this country. Uh, we'd like we want to with your permission and working with your people, we want to send them in there and wipe out all these drugs. We've killed 72,000 Americans. And uh, he asked four times of, of the lady and she didn't give him much of an answer. And so in frustration, he says, well, 
Uh, he talks about how um, uh, United States uh, pours $400 billion worth of goods into Mexico and how we're so dominant in supporting Mexico. And then he, I think his, his line that really uh, brought a lot of ire uh, was, uh, uh, if it wasn't for the United States, uh, a lot of Mexicans would be eating cat food sitting behind an outback steakhouse. And, uh, and to say the least, that riled up the, the uh, Mexican president and the Mexican ambassador of the United States just blistered Kennedy, just blistered him. And the Baton Rouge Morning Advocate, the local paper in Louisiana, highly criticized Kennedy, saying his lines were completely out of line, and he shouldn't have said that. And I would agree, Ron, I don't know what you think, that sometimes his, his words kind of get, get, gets in the crosshairs of his mouth. And, and uh, uh, although I, that was very calculated, I'm sure that phrase was a calculated phrase. He did, that didn't come off the top of his head. That was something he right. wanted to say. <laughs> But he said it, and again, Mexico demanded an apology. The president of Mexico, the ambassador demanded an apology. And, of course, Kennedy is not going to give an apology. But uh, so the issue is, uh, how is Kennedy doing in terms of response to issues like this? And then the bigger issue is, does it make sense for the United States to strongly push to intervene when 72 million people uh, of those 72,000 people have been killed by this drug coming in from the Mexicans, which the Mexicans can't control. So uh, uh, give me your thoughts on that, Rana. Uh, it's beyond me why we can't get a grip on the drug crisis in the United States. I don't believe other countries have it to the extent that we do. And if you think about going back to the 70s or so, we've been dealing with different ways. It may come from different countries, but... What's wrong with us that we have a population that wants it? You know, it's it's supply and demand here, for one thing. And these opioids are just, they're deadly. I mean, we had heroin overdoses, and now, like you said, the new drug of choice is fentanyl. I think because it's cheaper. I guess you're saying it's synthetic. Right. So it's a lot cheaper to produce. But it's so dangerous because... A small miscalculation in dosage, and let's face it, these aren't Johns Hopkins doctors administering it. So one small miscalculation is fatal. You know, it's a fatal error that you make. To John Kennedy's point, I'm sure it served the purpose he wanted it to serve. He is very popular. He comes up with his catchy sayings. Everyone gets a good laugh. But what's he doing about it is my question. What legislation has he introduced? Is he down demanding that we send people into Mexico to deal with this? Uh, who's going to step up and do something? I, I don't know that anybody so much disagrees with the fact that we have a horrible crisis. Fentanyl's killing people across all economic statuses, families, destroying families. Um, I mean, it, it's, a, it's a horrible crisis. You're right. 72,000 people die, and you watch these marches to remember these people, and you look at these families, these sad faces, and it's young people, it's older people, it's, it's, it's horrible. But who's doing anything? I happen to not agree with him on a regular basis, but I happen to not agree with him that insulting the Mexicans is the way to get about something. 
But I'd love to see a contingency go down there and hardline, we're going to do this and we're going to do it together. But we don't seem to be able to do it on regulating border crossings. So what makes anyone think we can do it on fentanyl? Yeah, on we border don't seem crossings, to be as capable I, of this, you know. I read where we've cut down the border crossings to th only 3,000 a day. A day. Three and and we've cut down to that. Oh yeah, it was like seventeen thousand. I mean, that's that's point. unbelievable. We can't. Yeah. Uh, well, but uh, but and I'm not defending Kennedy, but he said to the to the lady that is the uh, the director of the Drug Enforcement Administration. Have you had a discussion with the president about urging him to call the president of Mexico, letting our our military, we've got we've got drones, we've got so many tools we could help with, and she just mumbled. She just wouldn't answer the question. So uh, I mean, that's one action. I've, I, you know, I'd say right. that's one. You know, the just, pro, I, I, I'm it's disappointed just do in Joe Biden. Right? <laughs> yeah, I'm something. disappointed in Joe Biden that he didn't say a lot. And by the way, if any of our listeners wants to see the Kennedy interview, he was very calm. He, he wasn't ranting and raving about it. You can go to my website, jimbrownla.com, and I have the entire interview uh, there where he was interviewing this lady and, and questioning her on the website. Again, that's jimbrownla.com. But uh, I, I, but going back to Lorano, what you said, I mean, when you're losing 72,000 lives and we, you know, we just don't seem to be reacting enough in terms of the source, and maybe there's a lot going on that we don't know about. But as you said, it's not working. Uh, I have some knowledge of, of several of the prisons in Louisiana. And uh, uh, if you go to Oakdale Penitentiary up in northwest Louisiana, uh, they have a, a penitentiary that houses uh, uh, not violent criminals. And uh, uh, white-collar criminals go there. Governor Edwin Edwards was there, and a number of high-profile people were there. Uh, but uh, 90 of the 100, I think 93, were there on drug-related crises. And that's been some years back, and I'm sure that continues. And they're uh, primarily young African-Americans. Many of them were there where they were uh, caught as a mule to where they got paid a flat fee to go from Baton Rouge to Houston, Texas, let's say, and bring Brat back uh, and the cocaine was— uh, back when I talked to these folks years ago, was the drug of choice. but And they got caught and got a 10-year sentence. And uh, we have strong, uh, we have strong uh, sentences on the book. Uh, you know, you can get long prison terms, but nothing seems to work. Nothing just doesn't seem to work. And so I'm like you, it's just very, very frustrating. And uh, as far as the market, you also pointed out, it's from high end down to low. The drug, uh, the distribution uh, crosses economic barriers, and uh, and you can see the problem. Where in our in our inner city communities, where you got a young guy who comes from the ghetto and uh, he doesn't have a dad there, and mama's working, uh, or she's on drugs herself, and he's twelve or thirteen. And he's on the streets because no one keeps him off the streets. There's no curfew. And he sees some 17-year-old guys, and they've got $300 Michael Jordan tennis shoes on and 
fancy wristwatches and and uh, uh, you know how can I get that? Well, you you kind of help us out. You got to take care of a corner. You got to run these over. You know, and it just sees how these young kids get sucked in. They just get sucked in. You know, one of the most eye-opening movies I've ever seen on the drug business was American Gangster with Denzel Washington, mm-hmm. where he played the drug lord in Harlem. And when you see the money that is involved in this and then what impact that can have on uh, corrupting police and and making the system work for them, you almost look at that and just want to give up. You know, it's like in a, in a business like that where the, there's so much money, um, how do you stop it? Well, then the other question is, and I've, something I'd hate to admit we'd ever do, but uh, there are many who advocate just legalizing it. So you take the huge economic incentive uh, uh, out to where it's uh, uh, it's just legal. You can go buy crack cocaine or you can buy fentanyl that's uh, monitored a little better on, on any drugstore. And, and uh, you know, we've tried that with marijuana. And uh, from the articles I've read, uh, people would rather go to their uh, rather go to their dealer because if they go in to buy it at these dispensaries, they got to pay a lot more for it. They got to pay the taxes on it. You see, so they pay the the taxes and all the built-in dollars. And with your drug dealer, you don't have to do that kind of thing. You see, you get it illegally. <laughs> I don't know. I'd, I'd maybe check the sources on those. Uh, I don't personally partake, but I'm from Colorado. Many of my friends do, and. Uh, uh, Everybody goes to dispensaries now. They're like uh, huge businesses out there, and uh, you can get whatever you want. It's consistent. It's it's uh, um, it, you know it's safe. You know it's not laced with fentanyl when you're buying it from a dispensary. It's somewhat regulated and it's consistent. And uh, I there's that and there's even marijuana tourism in Colorado. Yes. So yeah, I've uh, heard of know. that. I've heard of a lot of people going out there and. But but you can't if you get caught right bringing it back to a state any state that it depends where it's not uh, legal. New Orleans uh, decriminalized it, so if you fly into New Orleans, they can't touch you for anything. But I was wondering if you all thought it was interesting that uh, Kennedy left out the Sackler family in his attacks. Because oh. I mean, there's lots of documentaries on the incentives that the Sacklers put out there for doctors and yes. pharmacists to do some pretty shady prescribing. And you, we need to tell our listeners that uh, the family owns a large pharmaceutical company mm-hmm. and paid massive fines have, yeah. uh, to you know hundreds of millions of dollars in fines and are the subject of uh, uh, thousands of lawsuits yes. of families who. Uh, who suffered or lost loved ones or or became hooked on drugs. And And all this philanthropic stuff they've done, people are taking their names off of it and all because of what's come out, what Chris is pointing out has come out with that. Well, and that's producer Chris that is is chiming in here and giving us the Colorado perspective. Well, Chris, uh, uh, I mean, marijuana is one thing. I have read a number of long-term problems with marijuana that I've tried to instill upon my children, but it's very, very popular. And as you said, a number of states are, are legalizing it. It just becomes a choice. If you don't want to use it, and you feel like there's dangers, as I do. You just don't 
don't use it. Uh, you're subject to DWI laws uh, for, for with the drugs, and so there's penalties there. Do we take it the next step then, and do we uh, just legalize it, legalize any kind of drug? And I, my gosh, you you wonder what kind of a uh, I mean, we we want a, we're a diverse company, rather country, but how diverse do you want to be in terms of drug heads uh, hanging out, you know, hanging out on the street corners? And, and uh, uh, it just seems like there's a whole uh, a mirage of problems that would come about with that overall legalization. But uh, no one's come up with a better solution. I worry all the time that we are losing our competitive edge internationally and i think decisions like that just legalizing recreational drugs just opens the door for that for people to just kind of get lost fall off the track not get educated not be productive citizens and um i just don't think that's the way to go with some of these well then the other direction would be do you uh, demand send that, the army? What <laughs> send the army? Well, <laughs> to the border. Right? That's right. Uh, well, uh, if we've got, I mean, how many? I guess three thousand. Uh, that's ninety thousand a month. That's a million people a year coming in, which I guess in three hundred million is not a lot, but uh, it, you know, it's a, a large number. Uh, most of which of those coming in are not productive citizens. They are takers and not givers in terms of the benefit they give. Well, I say that. I, I mean, good gosh, in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, you, you say, where are all those illegal immigrants? We'll just walk through your neighborhood and see who's putting a new roof on top of the house or who's mowing the grass, who's walking your, your kids down the street. It's all... Uh, and I say they're not all illegal immigrants, but you'll find a fair number that don't want to talk at all about uh, where they came from and that right. kind of. Well, you know, this has potential to be a true bipartisan issue. I mean, uh, there there could be a, a lot of support for someone stepping up and going into. I don't. I just don't think you uh, get anywhere insulting the Mexican government or Mexican people, but I think there could be a, a real case for sending a contingency of tough talkers down to sit down with them and say, let's do this together for both of our countries. There's just so much money and corruption in the drug industry. Um, I mean, again, if you haven't watched American Gangster, it's just, that's the 70s, and that was just shocking. I mean, he was, he infiltrated you know, military people and was smuggling heroin on planes that Henry Kissinger was flying on. I mean, he was everywhere. He was everywhere. He had the police. He had government officials. When there's that much money, I mean, we're sort of just now going, well, I wonder if all these trips that Clarence Thomas went on is maybe corrupting our Supreme Court. Well, there's tons of this going on, and the drug trade, more than anything, has potential to get to people and influence them. But from everything I've read, it's not like there's hundreds of cartels. There's just a handful of cartels that dominate the, the whole flow. And it just seems like with, uh, with, what, with uh, our military technology, uh, <laughs> with the drones and all we're able to do from thousands of miles ar around, 
I wonder why isn't Mexico, uh, why is, isn't the Mexican uh, uh, police, uh, law enforcement officers say, guys, sure, we'd love to have you come on in. Uh, come on in with us and give us the technical help and work side by side with us and let's clean this up. They don't seem to be willing to do so. Because and when people take on drug corruption, lots of people get assassinated. That's just a fact. That's lots why you bring people. in. That's why you bring in the Americans, you know, so that they. Uh, that's. I'm sure it's very tough. I'm sure it's very tough when you operate uh, on your own in that regard. Uh, uh, you know, in a. Uh, in a in a region, a state in Mexico right. that you know has. Uh, it's law enforcement people, but uh, are, yeah, you're not having to go worry about where they're growing things. This fentanyl and all, like you said, yeah. is uh, synthetically produced. So you're not having to fly the planes over and find the fields and all that. You've just really got to cut down on the distribution. Well, I hope we can find a solution because, and if any of our listeners have a solution, I wish you would go ahead and email us your thoughts about the show and any suggestions you'd like for us to talk about. You can get it to us by emailing Huey, H-U-E-Y, at DatelineLouisiana.com. And all our shows are on that website. You can find all the shows there that uh, go back from the very beginning a year or so ago when we started this podcast on a cross-section of topics. We hope you'll go back and listen. And uh, so, Rana, we've talked about drugs, and we've got a, a lot of other subjects to talk about. I think we'll shut it down here for the day, and I hope you'll listen regularly. And I we'll think I'm going to start a petition calling on the White House to name Senator Kennedy as the fentanyl czar. Good. We'll get our <laughs> listeners to all sign it, and let's put him to work. And again, if you want to hear the interview, it's interesting. I was disappointed. Uh, Kennedy was very smooth towards the end, then he kind of— uh, hit his attack but on the other hand the uh the director or the secretary uh for the dea the drug enforcement administration just you know wandered and and wouldn't answer the question she did a very poor job uh, very poor job she should have said sure i think it's a great idea senator and uh you know i will certainly look forward uh, to working with you on yeah this. look forward <laughs> to working with you and talking to the president that would have been it that'd been yeah. it but she didn't do that. So, uh, well, thanks for listening, Chris. We're going to shut down the show a little earlier today. Glad everybody's listening. Uh, again, our individual websites, ronagray.com and jimbrownla.com. Find a little bit more of what we're doing, the books we're uh, uh, producing. And uh, uh, Rana has a wonderful book out called Familiar Evil. And maybe I think the next show we do, we need to talk about Familiar Evil, the yeah, whole story. That's some, quite a story. exciting things and coming. It's a real bestseller. You can find our website there. Just go to jimbrownla.com, and the book is promptly displayed there on that site. Glad you're listening. Have a good summer if you're fighting this heat. We're into the fall. We'll talk to you again soon. Take care from Rhonda Gray and Jim Brown. Thanks for listening to Dateline Louisiana with Jim Brown and Rhonda Gray. To subscribe to this podcast or contact Jim or Rana, visit DatelineLouisiana.com. We hope you'll join us again next week for more news and reflections from the Bayou State.